Welcome to Why Should I Care, where I, Shashir Pandey, look to help young people find and follow their dreams while reminding older people that they used to dream too. Bit of a special announcement here. I was recently connected with the folks at Podcast Republic. It's an app that I use to listen to my podcasts. I highly recommend it if you're using something else to listen to this right now. I would go check it out if I were you. It's very user-friendly. So basically, they reached out to me and told me that uh, they are interested in cross-promotion and they put me on the featured page. So if you've got your own uh, podcast, email me at shashir at buildingintrigue.com and I'll get you connected with them as well. Really excited about this. It's a great app that I was already using and I'm getting a lot of attention as a result of being on the featured page. So thank you very much to the folks at Podcast Republic. In this episode, I talked to John Galbraith, uh, a co-worker of mine. He were, He's the Director of Community Engagement at Tripsy, and he has an incredible story about how he came to decide on the on the field that he's in and how he got involved with startups and the journey around all of that and his self-discovery. My name is John Galbraith. I am the uh, uh, one of the co-founders and the director of community engagement at Tripsy. I'm a, uh, a lifelong entrepreneur on this kind of crazy quest of figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. Nice. Uh, full disclosure, I work as the director of marketing at Tripsy also, but if you're a teacher, 100% go to tripsy.ca right now and find out how easy it is to book uh, school trips through our platform. If you are a parent and you are paying for a school trip, ask your child's teacher if they are running the trip through Tripsy because it will save you money. With that, you, you mentioned that you're on that lifelong journey of what to do when you grow up. I, I like how you put that because that's kind of my life story too. You know, I should footnote that comment by, um, you know, saying that I am 37 years old and, you know, everything really kind of harkens back to, uh, uh, you know, to high school when, you know, your parents and your guidance counselors and your teachers are often, uh, you know, questioning you about what you're going to be uh, when you grow up. And I can distinctly remember uh, at my high school anyway, and at the at that uh, time in the mid 90s, it was we did these kind of Scantron tests about our personality, and then they'd run it through a uh, a system, and a report would come back about you know what our um, career should be. And I remember mine coming back as a uh, as a helicopter pilot, and <laughs> as cool as that was at the time, um, it didn't really you know I've, I've not really a big, huge fan of flying, so it didn't really <laughs> feel like a great fit. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom was especially uh, instrumental in kind of guiding me through, of, you know, saying, you know, John, you don't have to figure out what you what you want to be when you grow up, but maybe you might want to start working on a list of things that 
you don't want to do and you're only going to you're only going to be able to figure out what that list is by um you know by going out in the world and experiencing different things uh i am like enamored with you right now because this is literally my entire message like there's no way to know what you should do until you know what you don't want to do and certainly and and it, i think you know as uh i i think maybe as a as a group or as a society we might be getting a little more hip to that um that notion mm-hmm. but you know when i was growing up it was you know everyone had to figure out what they want to do and i uh, you know i look at my brother and we grew up on a farm and you know he he knew at a very young age that he was going to be a farmer and in you know he's he's stuck with it and he's you know a successful entrepreneur as well but it's uh you know been kind of his goal from the very start so Mm -hmm. as much as it is as much as it is i believe um something that some people kind of naturally just know and they're born with and you know i think there's a, a great majority of us that you know just just have no idea and we don't necessarily know how to make those decisions and what values to base those decisions on Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's really hard to understand what you want especially for me i know growing up i always wanted to be an electrical engineer and so i became one and i realized that the real world implications of being an engineer are a little bit different from what the expectations were set for me growing up and like i thought i was going to be iron man and that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little less exciting than that right it's uh but i think that it was important for me to go through that process and and learn that there's a whole world of options out there and you're probably going to be good at a lot of them, but you're not going to love all of them. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And that's not to say, you know, and, you know, like I, I I think my first experience um, was, you know, as a a 17 or 18 year old, um, you know, I had moved to Toronto to live with my sister to kind of, you know, this was post having that discussion with my mother. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go out and, and, uh, you know, start working on this list. And I had uh, gotten a job at a a great little Caribbean restaurant on College Street. And uh, I started my chef's apprenticeship. And as as much as I loved it, as dedicated as I was, and, um, you know, as as much as I loved all the people I worked with, and and as good as I was, it, it was still became very apparent after, you know, about a, a four or five month period that I wasn't going to be working. You know, I didn't want to be or or let me phrase it this way is that working in a kitchen, preparing delicious food, making it with love wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life as, you know, admirable as a job as it is. And as much as I enjoy eating deliciously prepared food, it it just wasn't something that, uh, you know, it was the first thing that I put on my list of, you know, maybe after helicopter pilot, but maybe the second (laughs) thing, but of something that I didn't, uh, you know, didn't want to do for the rest of my life. Fair enough. Yeah. 
it, it's funny you you were talking about the helicopter pilot and the first thing that went through my head was like that was probably that scantron test thing he's like cool way of answering inconclusive <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> it was like shit i don't know fuck I can't figure this guy out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just kind of had this dartboard that it, you know, or it had a big wheel it would spin <laughs> for all these cool jobs, like, you know, the marine biologist and helicopter pilot. <laughs> and, and none of them could be, like, particularly practical either, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, as much as uh, personality tests are great. Um, I've, I've actually learned myself taking the Myers-Briggs test. I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but, uh, like the 16 personality uh, test and you get like categorized and I've realized that it's, it's accurate in the president in present moment. The problem is bull mm-hmm. change over time and, and those things don't necessarily apply for the entirety of your life. And uh, I, I agree 100%. And I would also even kind of go a little bit further because I lived with a fellow who uh, who dated a girl who, you know, she said, you know, you should take this test. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was having a difficult time in life. And, you know, he took this test and it kind of, it was accurate. And then it was almost like, well, now I need to stay within these lines. Yeah, you know th- this is it- it's figured me out and it's helped me figure myself out and now this is what I am and this is what I need to be, and I think that that is, you know, potentially limiting as a as a you know human just kind of you know going through the same thing that everyone's going through, um, you know, and I think we have to be able to, as you say, evolve and adapt and change and 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 learn and grow and all those uh you know wonderful things that we get to experience through a lifetime yeah normally what i would ask is when you were like 10 years old what did you want to do when you grew up but i feel like you already answered that in a sense yeah i really had no idea and uh to be quite honest uh you know at 10 11, 12 in the small town that I lived in, we weren't really, you know, uh, looking further than the ends of our nose. You know, I grew up in a very small town and um, it was, uh, you know, we had had a great group of friends. We played hockey, but it was never kind of that big thought of the future because all we knew was our little small town. It wasn't, it wasn't a great big world. Um, Mm -hmm. We would get we would get our trans world skateboarding magazines and in the mail and we'd all sit around and and look through the pictures of you know southern california and it just seemed like a you know a different world at the time but i guess i never really put much thought to you know what it would look like with me out in that world and i don't think that i had ever really done that until i got out of that vacuum um and as I mentioned, went to live with my sister in Toronto mm-hmm. um, to, to go on this. You know, it, it was a, maybe a small town syndrome or, or whatever it is, but you kind of get, you put those walls up around you. And, you know, even 
when I lived in Toronto, I, I always called it my quadrant. You know, I never went east of east of Young. I never went west of Dufferin. I never went north of Bloor, and I never went, you know, I guess south of the lake. Um, and that was my quadrant. So I even kind of made my own little, you know, and I think I think we do that. And it was like there was nothing in Toronto outside of that. Um, and there was nothing outside of Ridgetown growing up. And, and I think that, you know, I have a habit personally mm-hmm. um, of, you know, sometimes doing that to myself. Yeah, that's kind of like the Myers-Briggs test we were talking about earlier, right? With your, mm-hmm. where you make up these imaginary rules and you don't even realize that you're thinking inside the box until, like, you don't even know there's a box. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what you're comfortable with. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think the the challenge and and what's helped me is to um, get uncomfortable and, you know, start to kind of push those boundaries. And that's something that's, you know, taken a taken a long time. You know, I've been good at really good at starting, you know, the uncomfortableness like it was picking a college it was just kind of you know throwing darts at a map of Canada and you know I ended up in southern Alberta and it was you know really really easy to to get out there and get going but you know there's some sort of hesitation and and this this um you know I guess kind of fear of you know what have I what have I done instead of letting myself really you know jump in and 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 uh, leverage that experience for everything that it, it certainly was Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was it right after Ridgetown that you moved to Toronto with your sister? Was that how it went chronologically speaking? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, I, I actually hadn't finished high school. Um, I was, uh, I, I had left high school and, and let's call it a, a semester off, um, to mm-hmm. go and try this experience in Toronto and living with my sister and maybe re recenter myself and, and just get away from that vacuum for a little bit. Um, and at the same time, I was also uh, working with my brother-in-law at a, as a promotional. He, he had a promotional advertising company, which is, you know, pens and, and trinkets and, and gifts that you would give to clients. And that was really my first exposure to um, any sort of entrepreneurship and sales other than, you know, growing up on a farm. My, my, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and farmers. But outside of the farming industry, um, that was really my first exposure to, you know, sales and, and you know, putting on a suit and tie and mm-hmm. actually kind of, you know, trying, you know, trying to get the deal done and having competition and all that sort of fun stuff. So I was doing that and my chef's apprenticeship at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it really did was kind of motivate me to go back and, and you know, tie that bow up on high school and Ridgetown and, and uh, you know, get that done. And immediately, you know, so I, I had, t- you know, wrapped up my time in Toronto. I went home and finished my obligation of schooling um, and uh, obligation to myself and, and my family um, and finished schooling. And then it was, you know, immediately out to Vancouver as a, I think a 19 year old um, and where I started with my uh, started the job with my first startup. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about sales? It was, I I think the experience in Toronto actually gave me, you know, that, that, that taste of, you know, there is a a whole big world out there. Mm 
Um, I, I, I really did, even though I didn't want to sell promotional advertising items. Um, I really started to, you know, realize that I have a personality for sales and I don't, I can't explain to you what that meant to me at the time. I don't know if it was the, the thrill of the deal, the idea to, you know, I'm a good problem solver. Um, or, or the idea that I can understand people's pain and, you know, remedy that pain. Um, I, I don't know if it was that, but I, I believe it was that kind of experience that motivated me. Okay, you know, I got to get out there and then try the next thing. So, you know, on my list of things I don't want to do, it was just more of a category of, you know, you know, promotional advertising. Uh, so, but I still kind of felt yeah. right in that in that ecosystem of, you know working with other companies or other people to to solve problems yeah so like what actually got you to move from ridgetown to toronto what prompted me to go from ridgetown to to toronto was a discussion that i had with my mother about what i wanted to be when i grew up and not being able to answer that question and talking about you know living in a vacuum and not really having a lot of direction and her, uh, you know, going back to what I said earlier, her recommendation of, you know, if, if you don't know what you want to be, you should at least go try and figure out what you don't want to do. And that may point you in, the, you know, point you in the right direction or down the right path. And that was really what prompted me. You know, I had an opportunity to live for free in the, you know, greatest city in Canada. So, you know, I, I just leaped at it. Nice. Okay. Um, so then post, post the sales position, you got into cooking right after that? It was a concurrent. So, um, sales, I was doing more as an intern working with my brother-in-law. I wasn't making any money. It was just to absorb, um, it was to absorb the experience of, and try to take, take on as much as I could while I was on this journey at such a young age. So, my Thursday, Friday, Saturday night job was my chef's apprenticeship. So I would work from 4 p.m. till 4 in the morning um, on those three nights. And then my day job was uh, working with my brother-in-law, Jody, at uh, uh, Daylight Promotions was the name of the company. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a long time ago if you can't even remember the company name. <laughs> I, I bought it off the resume. Sorry? I said I bumped that one off the resume. Ah, okay. Draw back to 95, 96 on my resume, but I certainly could. It would tell a funny story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, maybe even something interesting for a hiring manager to look at. <laughs> Not that you're looking for a job anymore. I mean, I think I've finally found it. Yeah. That being said, you never know what's around the corner, right? No. Yeah. Um, we've got sort of Ridgetown, Toronto, concurrent cooking and sales. So you are experienced, experiencing two things at the same time. This is actually a really, really key point that I want to talk about is um, – People think that in order to understand whether you like something or not, you have to like go full bore into it. 
And that's not necessarily true, right? Like you can do multiple things at the same time. And it's, it's actually very important, especially at a young age when you don't have the responsibilities of having a family or a spouse and, or like having to pay bills. It's very important to um, take advantage of every moment so that you can experience multiple things at once because that just accelerates your ability to understand yourself. A hundred percent. I think, you know, at when you have that opportunity, as you say before, you know, the, 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 for lack of a better word, the pressures of life, you know, are, are, you know, on your doorstep. Um, I just wanted to be a sponge. I just wanted to, you know, take in these experiences and use that as, you know, it, it wasn't like I was looking for, oh, I finally found something for the rest of my life. I was like, how can I prepare better for the inevitable next step? Like I, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Toronto and do these things. It was just, okay, now I'm prepared mentally to go and button those things up. I figured two things out that I like sales and I don't want to work in a kitchen. And I've done that, you know, just by not necessarily focusing on the, the, it was more focusing on myself than it was focusing on the procedure, I guess. It was like, okay, not the, the vocational procedure. It was my personal procedure that I was focusing on versus the vocation. Yes. Yeah. And would you say that's something that like your mom instilled in you? I, I, I think through, you know, open communications with my mom um, and, you know, her, you know, she's a worry wart too. So it, it really, you know, kind of, that was a big question because, you know, my, my brother and my sister, you know, they're both older than me and they both could answer those questions and they had a clear idea what they were going to go to college for and, and, you know, what they were going to do or at least where they were going to, you know, point their kind of direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't. So she was worried about that, which, you know, created a lot more conversation internally. So a long answer for yes, that was certainly something that came through, uh, you know, discussion and, and her, I guess, motivating me to, you know, really kind of look within myself as to, you know, try and figure this out. And you don't have to figure it out in the conventional way. Don't just, you know, pick something, yeah. but figure it out holistic way like you know have a have a process that you want to go through to you know get yourself to where you want to be and and even though you don't know what you want to be you still know where you want to be yeah so basically she'd she'd recognize that your your siblings were good at using maps and you were more savvy with a compass yeah that's a great analogy that's a great analogy (laughs) yeah that's definitely going to be a blog post. <laughs> yeah. The, the like random shit that comes out of my mouth that accidentally. <laughs> I can see the Insta post now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now you've figured out that sales is sort of a, cool thing for you it kind of works for you yep Yep. but that's 
that's something that people often get stuck on is that oh say uh, actually they really enjoy sales but then they get stuck on like maybe the industry they're like oh well promotional products i really love promotional products right and mm-hmm. another person may have gotten hung up on that and just gone down the promotional product line and again that comes down to like you said focusing on the personal journey and not the vocational one right certainly yeah a hundred percent and i know you know somebody I i think it was when i was in college we had an applied sales class and the first thing that our professor said to us is you know there's there's 30 people in this room and i guarantee not one of you said as a child i want to be a salesperson when i grow up and he's like i know you all read um you know death of a salesman in high school and you know the willie loman story and like there's a certain stigma around salesmen and you know the the slick willie the kind of gunshots and the wink yeah you know like of being sold um but I, I, I really, and it was working with my brother-in-law that, you know, at the end of the day, people need something and they need somebody to work with. And if if you kind of turn that into, and it's not even that you're turning it into, at the end of the day, if you're not providing value, then you are not going to have any sort of gratification in your sales job. If you are I don't believe unless your gratification is purely monetary, but that's not something that I, I can sustain myself off of. If you're not providing value to the end person, then I don't believe that you'll be able to draw any satisfaction from a sales role. And I realized at a young age that it was kind of like a puzzle. It was kind of like, you know, sorting cards of, okay, you know, this isn't a great opportunity. Here's an opportunity where I can, I, I can do a really good job. I can make somebody happy. I can solve their problem and that'll make me happy. So, you know, I started to now when you realize that, I believe now you can start to um, figure out, okay, where, what industries can I provide a lot of value? Yes. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the not necessarily it's not a pragmatic approach it was just me again still trying to figure all this stuff out Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a funny thing that life is right certainly yeah um so from here you went to southern alberta after after uh toronto oh so so toronto back i finished high school and I, you know, by way of a connection through my brother-in-law, I got a, uh, I got a job in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was with a startup called Microsphere, and they had developed the world's first ergonomically flawless computer workstation. So at 19 years old, I picked up and I moved to Vancouver, and I got my first business card, and I was an account executive um, at Microsphere. As cool as that was, so. Um, it, it was a really great opportunity again. So now I'm in a startup environment. We were in a an office with markers on the walls. They got some money to build some prototypes, and they had landed this big deal with a uh, a U.S. retailer called Relax the Back. And for for some reason, I had I, I don't know if it was confidence or if it was you know the the 
the referral that I'd received from my brother-in-law, but they had given me this account to kind of manage. And so that was when I realized that, you know, you know, salespeople or account executives or whatever you want to call them, you hit the road. So I spent months um, in America uh, going around to each one of these relax the back stores and actually conducting sales training. So I taught the retail employees how to sell our product. Um, <laughs> and it was, the chat it was spot, amazing. Right? Like the, the audacity behind that. You're like, what, how old are you at this point? I was 19 years old. I couldn't even get a six pack of beer in the States when I was down there working. So it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's sometimes that's what it is. It's, it's people just see the, the fuck it, let's get it done attitude and it happens, right? Hmm. So yeah. And, and that was what really, you know, so that for me is when. I think sales started turning into a, a, a keen interest. And, you know, I looked at, you know, Jeff and, and these guys and I was like, these guys just started this company. You know, they just picked up and started it. They, they, you know, they went out and they hustled and they grinded and they got some money. And now I'm in America teaching people how to sell their product all in, you know, so that was my first kind of like, wow, these guys just started a company. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, so how, how long were you doing relax the back, uh, training? <laughs> so that was, that was about a, a seven month term for me. Mm. Um, uh, the, the, the company was actually acquired and a lot of stuff changed in the company. And, and th- this, this computer workstation was built for a time when, um, computers had a ton of peripherals there you know like it was the the tower and the monitor and the key and the mouse over here and actually the invent of laptops and being able to sit on a couch and and work on a computer mm-hmm. really hurt the company's future and yeah. I, I i we kind of all saw the writing on the wall and they took a uh, they took an acquisition deal and i think it was probably best for them <laughs> Um, but you know, needless to say, Microsphere is not around anymore, but it was, you know, certainly that's not the point of the story. It was more, um, you know, I, I was still like, just, wow, look what these guys did. Yeah. And I'm sure that, that whatever acquisition deal they got was probably lucrative and satisfying to them. Certainly, certainly. And so that was really, so at that time it was, okay, now I got to go to college. Um, you know, I've kind of figured this out. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was, I was dating a girl at the time and, and we had decided that we were going to kind of go on that college journey together. Um, so we knew that we didn't want to do it, uh, um, locally, um, so we said, okay, we each get to put out three, you know, we each get to choose one college and then we're going to put just wildcard a third one for our application. So I had chose, I had done a lot of research and I found that Lethbridge College in Southern Alberta was the only college in Canada at the time that offered a diploma in, uh, in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't anything else in Canada and it was basically just, they kind of, you know, mashed up their accounting, marketing, and, and business administration courses. 
and you know writing a business plan course so um, that was my choice um, we also applied at Kitsilano College and then we did do one kind of local one here in London at Fanshawe um, and we were both accepted to Lethbridge and and that was kind of the uh, um, you know after I think kind of maybe really weighing all of our all, all of our choices it was you know it was the best decision for us so we ended up in Lethbridge for a couple of years and that's where uh, I actually studied entrepreneurship and applied sales and, and uh, you know marketing at the time which was um, oh my first day of college was 9-11 um, so that's, that's the timeline so I had just gotten off a plane in Calgary on September 10th at about midnight or no, it was, it was, it would be September 11th in the, in the mountain time zone just after midnight. And so we got off the plane, drove to Lethbridge, got a little bit of sleep and woke up in the morning and then, um, you know, nine 11 was happening. So that's the timeline there. Jeez. Well, that's, uh, an interesting time to start college. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a pretty heavy day the first day. All the, you know, the professors, we just all sat there and kind of watched TV. We we, we didn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal experience. And, you know, I was very, I had a lot of uh, pride in, in that whole kind of picking a course and going to college and, you know, being able to say like, I'm still not there, mom, but you know, I'm getting there and, you know, this will prepare me for, you know, that, that get, getting there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a good generalized topic uh, of subject matter that, you know, I felt would prepare me for the rest of the journey. Yeah. I'm actually interested by the involvement of the girlfriend in that situation, because I wonder if, the girlfriend wasn't there, would you have ended up in the same place? Absolutely not. No? Absolutely not. No. I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think that. I think, you know, you know, my time in Vancouver, I was away from her. And then, you know, we came back and we were both, you know, for a couple months, we were both kind of in, in Ridgetown. And it was, you know, we got to get out of here. But I, I think that there would have been, if I would have got accepted one place and she didn't get accepted the other place. And you know what I mean? It was the chips fell in a very good way that it, for both of us, it seemed like the most appealing decision. But had one of us not been accepted, um, I, I think everything would have been different. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, um, after you graduated, did you graduate? Let's confirm. 4.0 GPA. I was very, very proud of that. I actually, I was, I was, um, I was doing terribly in economics and, uh, I sat down with a professor one day and he drew out this one page thing and everything just kind of clicked for me. Um, and, you know, I was feeling really discouraged, you know, in my first month or two of college, because there was this economics was just this huge monkey on my back. And I was like, I couldn't, 
it, it was a f- spilling over and affecting my other subjects. Yeah. And uh, you know, once everything kind of clicked for me, I was really able to turn it around. And uh, and uh, I really killed college, which is crazy because, you know, I was terrible at high school. But, you know, again, once I, I, I kind of figured it out, and now I'm interested. And now, you know, I, I've accepted debt in order to do this so you know your motivation levels change so yeah yeah i did uh got out of college yeah with a diploma um curious uh, do you remember what the diagram was just out of curiosity yeah so it was the it was the four four markets so starting from perfect competition uh going up to a monopoly and uh, there was four point. I I can dig this thing out. I know I have it uh, on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just summarized textbooks and textbooks of economics into a couple principles for me. And once I understood those principles of each specific market, um, I was able to kind of take the next you know theory or the next idea and just and understand it instead of because i think my problem was is that i i wasn't i wasn't getting anything (laughs) so it was kind of like well we got to kind of rewind this kid and just make him understand the basics and then from there it was a very simple one-page cheat sheet um in my second year i bartended and i tutored economics to to keep me going and i used that one-page cheat sheet and i actually you know, I, I spread that experience and, you know, sitting across the table from somebody and showing them that sheet and then just seeing them go, ah, you know, I worked myself out of, out of tutoring hours, but it was, you know, helping, you know, helping people just kind of understand those same things. So that was a, a nice experience, which kind of goes back to the, you know, the, the satisfaction that I get from sales and problem solving is that when you can see somebody just be, you know, that pain is gone for them. That's, uh, you know, extremely satisfying. Going back to what you were saying about the tutoring, like, um, I think that's really what makes you such a great salesman, that willingness to put forward the extra effort to provide value and to make people happy. Well, I, I appreciate that comment. And, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, like I said, for me, it was, that's what it's that's what it's really all about like we've you know the kind of the theme we've been talking about is that we're all kind of going at this journey together and you know as a salesperson you know some salespeople are like you know you don't want to work yourself out of a job but to me i think that's when you've done the best job is you know a client that you don't hear from anymore that means their pain has gone down and you have part in that, like you have a, a stake in that decreasing of their pain. And that's what, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's why you're more suited for startups than for, for a corporate environment. Yeah, certainly. Because in the corporate environment, everyone's trying to save their own skin. And, you know, it's about the bottom line. So the more pain we can draw out of people, then the more money we make. Um, yeah, you know, then so don't solve the problems a hundred percent. You know, we need we need to get things going, but I think that's more of a business model problem than it is a you know a sales department problem. Yes, of course, yeah. And in in Tripsy's case, we we benefit from 
from solving our customer's problem because, hey, if uh, if we solve our customer's problem, the platform's still there. They're still using the platform. They're not going to stop yeah. using the platform unless their pain comes back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, yeah, and like like I said, then we've got a business model problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's sort of the reverse strategy, right? Like, as long as their pain is gone, they will stay with us. Yeah, which is a better, more sustainable, and and morally better approach. Well, and, and that's what I mean too. To 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 be, I believe, I believe, and I won't, I won't paint anyone with a brush, but I believe to be a truly successful. And for me personally to be happy, I have to really believe in what I'm doing. I have to really be able to get behind the company. I have to be able to get behind their values. I have to be able to, um, you know, confidently stand on my soapbox when I'm doing a presentation and, and be able to convey my excitement about I'm here to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's something I can't get behind or a disagreement with, um, you know, a certain a value or an approach or or a price or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then that's where I start to have a problem. And I think a lot of salespeople have a problem and you, you're not going to get the results because you're not, you, you don't believe it mm-hmm. yourself. If you can't be sold by it, then, you know, and we sit in the office today and, 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 you know, sometimes Ash will say like, I can't believe everyone doesn't use this. You know what I mean? We get so passionate. (laughs) Why doesn't everyone just use this? And it's, and I think that, you know, speaks to the, you know, we're, we're all behind it. We all believe it. We, and it's something that you have to do. And I think that I've, well, I don't think I, I know that I've left certain positions because I've all of a sudden I've lost that belief. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to give a little bit of backstory here, Ash is our CEO. He's uh, he's basically the guy that uh, stops the rest of us from goofing off and not actually getting done. He's uh, I'm very grateful for for having him as as a leader. Yeah, it's certainly a it's certainly a a well rounded team. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but yes, going back. All of us are very, very passionate about the product. And um, I think, and I genuinely believe that the only reason there aren't, everyone is not using it is because they just haven't heard of it yet. I I would agree with that. I, you know, we're still young and I know as, as a startup, um, you know, I think we all want things to happen and we, you know, you see the outliers that, you know, have kind of gone viral, if you will, that, you know, all of a sudden, have, you know, hockey sticked their their user numbers. Um, but we constantly, everyone and entrepreneurs every day need to ground themselves and, and know that it's a, it's a tough road to hoe and you have to, you have to be, it's i don't think the question is what are you willing to do in order to get this company off the ground um i I used to think that like what are you 
willing to do. And it's, it's not a case of, okay, I'm willing to put in 12 hours a day and I'm willing to do this or, or do that. I think the question is what kind of pain are you willing to bear while this great idea matures and percolates and gets to the point where, where it gets off the ground. And I think that there's a bit of a paradigm shift in, in that, you know, you know, when, when I ask you the question, what are you willing to do? Nobody, you know, a lot of people wouldn't say, well, I'm willing to go without a paycheck for a year, (laughs) you know? But if I said, what kind of pain are you willing to bear? And like, are you willing to bear this enormous financial, mental, psychological pain in order to get your idea to where it, it, it's matured? Uh, and it's gone through the same process that many other startups that aren't outliers need to go through. And, and that's something that's helped me, especially in this latest, in, in our latest project with Tripsy framing the question like that to myself has really, really helped in, in, you know, in sticking it out, lowering my stress levels and saying like, no, John, like you said, you were willing to bear this pain and you're seeing that we're, you know, continual validation. We're getting uptake. We're, we're, we're getting clients. We're, we're doing this. And so the pain, while it's still great and it still hurts a lot, you can see that you've committed to yourself that to bear this pain for a little while and the pain should go away soon, hopefully. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the hockey stick graph. I think a lot of times people need to remember that the handle end of the hockey stick is a lot longer than the end that shoots up on that graph. It certainly, certainly is. That's absolutely, um, you know, it's great. Um, it's a great point because that's the that's the the pain section of the hockey stick. Yeah, you have the mentality that I'm sort of seeking, and I, I think I have a little bit of it my, myself, and I'm sort of developing into that person. Um, but obviously, I haven't had uh, all of the experiences that you have had yet, and and I'm I'm still growing myself. And it's important to remember that. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to remember that I didn't, I didn't, while I, while I've worked in, in a startup capacity, um, mostly my whole career. And, and even when I was selling school trips and working, um, with, uh, in baseball statistics, I, even though those were both established companies, they were um, very start up in the sense that the school trip company wanted to really ramp up, uh, ramp up uh, their numbers to be acquired. So it was a totally new whole kind of sales mentality and sales department. So it felt like a startup because it was a change of their, their business that they had done for 30 years. And with, with uh, in baseball stats, they were an established hockey company. And they started a new division, which, um, you know, me and another guy kind of led the led the growth of that baseball division. Um, but keep in mind that I was I have essentially up until I moved to London, um, I was I was I had a job like they I worked for other people. I had bosses 
And that still goes to, you know, way back to my list of things that I don't want to do is that I was learning about businesses, but I was also learning about uh, ways I don't want to treat people um, as employees and, and business practices that I don't want to employ as a, as, you know, maybe one day I'll be a leader and that's something that I don't want to do, or that's not a value that I want my business to have. Yeah. So that was all part of kind of that list. And, you know, when you take kind of sales and entrepreneurship, um, you know, like I said, I, I thought that, you know, this might be it for, you know, maybe I'm just a Joe jobber and I got to find a, maybe I got to find a better boss. Maybe it was just kind of, you know, I'm not agreeing with this, you know, a school of voyageurs, we were acquired. Um, and everything that was great about the company is like that whole soul was sucked out of the company during the acquisition because it went from providing great travel experiences for students to getting our margins up. And, and as salespeople getting our numbers up and oh, by the way, you're going to make less commission. So, you know, it was just that whole soul of it was ripped out. And like I said before, that caused me all of a sudden to not believe in this anymore. And I knew it was time to leave. And, and with, with Point Streak, it was more that I, I, a very well-respected boss, uh, I, he's built beautiful beautiful companies um and a couple of them and he's led great companies it was just more of the the culture and the corporate values and i understand because i wasn't accountable to the shareholders i was a sales guy that was trying to start a department and maybe there's a certain sense of altruism and naivety that comes with that but mm. we we butt heads on on certain things when it came to values and 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 co company beliefs that I couldn't get behind. And again, after a while, it just you know it became the writing was on the wall that hey you know it's time for you to move on, John. And that's when my wife and I found ourselves in London. And that's when I finally said, you know what, I got to go build something. And, and I've got to I've got to find the right people. I've got to build the network. Um, you know, I've got to find, surround myself with people that can help me and I can maybe help them get to that point. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I mean, and it's not to say that those, those leaders were necessarily bad. It just means that they were not the right leaders for you. Right. Absolutely. 100% and I yeah I would never suggest that like they were not bad because they're tremendously successful and like I said I, I, I uh, a, a tremendous amount of respect for them it was just maybe you know it was I still have a lot of those kind of like maybe like I said altruism and and you know kind of being a hippie and you know, if you do a business for good, then the money will come. Whereas I don't understand the pressures or I didn't understand the pressures at the time that a CEO is under about, no, the money's got to come. And that's got to be, you know, that's got to be the first thing. And I think that it, it was maybe my, my naivety that led to that kind of, it, it certainly wasn't anything that they did because they hadn't changed. Mm -hmm. They had continued be successful and they continued to lead, lead their business in the same way. It was perhaps my lack of understanding of kind of the whole, the whole spectrum of what it actually takes. 
And again, that's why, you know, it was very important for us at Tripsy to build a team of people that are good at those things. I'm still a very altruistic person. I still think that if you build a company for good, that the money will come. Mm-hmm. But I also am very cognizant of the fact that we need a person who's the, is saying, no, the money's got to come. We got to go. We got to like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying that we're not hustling or we're not going. It's just, it's kind of for different reasons. You know what I mean? And they're both very, very important reasons. I think, I think for us, um, Ash and, and Brock has a little bit of it as well. Brock is our, uh, product lead. Um, both of, uh, both of them sort of lead the charge in terms of no, the money's got to come in because I think from you and I definitely have that, uh, altruistic, Hey, if you do good, things will good things will happen um and um i think i think liam's also got a little bit of that liam liam is our technology technology lead as well so um it's good that we have brock and ash there to sort of hold hold uh hold the hippies account accountable (laughs) (laughs) this is all the things that you learn. And for me, the importance of team, the importance of building the proper team around an idea wasn't learned until, you know, after point streak. And then it was kind of, you know, take a stab at something. It was kind of a half-hearted stab, I I would say, at at my first kind of startup um, experience where I was part of that, that, that initial team. Um, I I just think it was half-hearted and it wasn't, you know, it didn't have a clear focus. And, you know, my next experience, it was an amazing idea. And it, you know, still to this day is one of the most popular, um, popular apps on the planet for its, uh, for its niche or its vertical or its category. However, it just, it, it didn't make money. And, and the team, the, it ultimately falls back on the team that it didn't make money as its ability to, adapt the business model and ability to, you know, change or any, any ability to deviate from that initial idea was ultimately why the monetization of that failed. And, and when it came around, it was for, for Tripsy, it was, you know, it has to be the right team. And, um, you know, and, and I tasked, I, I didn't take on that task. I had, I had been out there in the, in the entrepreneurial community here in London enough that I had met some folks and, and, uh, Ash had been a mentor of ours at another startup. And it was, it was more or less that I, I kind of said, I, I tasked Ash with that <laughs> too, you know, and he obviously was one of the ones who kind of, you know, brought that to mind is that, you know, it's, it's really the team. It's ultimately, you need to, execute you need to do you need to change you need to you know be able to go with the flow and and let this business you know lead from behind the business will take you where it wants to be instead of you trying to jam the business where it doesn't want to be and you know that's where you know ash and as we've all done a great job in kind of putting that together and now as we just discussed you go around the room and we've got these great dynamics and you know 
sure things get heated sometimes and and we yell but at the end of the day it's we're all still we're all still going for the gusto and we're all still passionate and we're all excited and we're balancing out you know our accountability to our investors with the accountability to the world and and the tourism world and what we need to do is you know to create sustainable tourism and to be stewards of you know tourism in the future and that sort of thing and it's it's i'm just so pleased with the way things have turned out in that kind of building of the team because this idea like i said has been around i've been kind of toying with this idea for eight to ten years yeah and it hasn't been able to actually materialize without the right people behind the idea yeah well it's really great that you found the right people so um um yeah i was actually going to cue you to to talk about the the app the second app which i had guessed was probably the one that uh led you down the path of evaluating whether the altruism needed a balancing factor of prag- pragmatism yeah yeah, it, it really, it, it certainly was. And like I said, we we developed, and still to this day, just for, you know, the few hundred bucks in hosting that it costs every year, you know, it's out there because we're all still really proud of the fact that we created the number one app in the app store um, within that category. Um, but it, it necessarily wasn't the altruism it was the it was the the mindset that the entrepreneur knows better than the market um and what i mean is that no this is the vision this is the idea this is what we're sticking with versus taking those feedback loops and and letting the business lead you in the right direction mm-hmm. and that is where that ultimately failed. And it was the that inability to, and maybe it's pride. I don't know what it is, um, but, you know, ultimately the, it just came to a time when I, I simply had to walk away, you know, for, for a number of reasons, most of all financially. But, um, you know, I, I still, no regrets because every experience has kind of led me to to where I am now. Um, but, and I'm still, you know, great friends with the, uh, with the team that we were there. It's just, we recognize that it wasn't, it, it, we couldn't do it if we couldn't change and adapt and, you know, say la vie. Yeah. And that's fair. And realistically, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. If you can't adapt, then don't start. (laughs) (laughs) really should be a t-shirt yeah it's like it's like darwinism at at its finest (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely all my standard questions don't work for you man it's brutal (laughs) uh, i ask um if you were to be transported into your 10 year old body now what would you what would you want to be when you grew up? 
Oh. I I I I still don't think I would be have an answer. I still you know what I mean? I, I would want to uh I, I think if I was transported in my ten year old self now, it would be oh there's gonna be a cat meowing in the thing. <laughs> if I were to be transported into my ten year old self now, um what I would want to be. I, I think somebody that is um you know just doing it for the right reason um and i know that's very vague and i i'm not saying that i'm doing it for all the right reasons because you know obviously there but i i think i've got a we've i've got a pretty good support system and the ability to um i think i recognize and i've explained a few reasons why i'm doing this um, to kind of, but I, I really think that that's just do it for the right reasons and, and do something that you don't need an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning. Something that gets you out of bed and something that's exciting. It doesn't, what's the old cliche, do something you love and you never work a day in your life, but you know, something along those lines. For a reason, right? They're usually right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Well, at this point, I don't have any any more questions for you. Um, it's it's been really great talking to you. Um, if you want, you can plug your uh, social media and whatnot, and for my for my listeners to find you if if you're interested in doing that. It's at JTRZF. Um, it's JTRZEFF on all the different channels. All right. Well, that's nice and easy. And um, yeah, it's just been really, really great talking to you. Um, do you have anything to leave the listeners with? Um, it, I guess it would go, you know, to really tie this loop back, it feels kind of like a stand-up bit. But um, hey, if you're struggling what, with what you want to do, try and figure out what you don't want to do, um, you know. It's taken decades for me, but it's 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 really starting to work. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, honestly, I don't give people compliments very often. I'm more of the uh, make fun of people uh, person, especially in the office. But uh, it is very much a pleasure working with you, and I I think I've already learned a lot about sales from you, and I think I will continue to learn stuff. As we go, well, we, uh, you know, we and, and me certainly uh, appreciate having you, Shashir, and I really appreciate you talking to me tonight. It's, uh, you know, it's it's really nice to talk about this stuff. Um, you know, I, I I think as a as when we were talking about what kind of pain you want to bear, sometimes when you hear yourself, you know, go over all this stuff, you you know, it, it doesn't seem as painful anymore because it kind of sounds like, oh, you know, that was a good experience. Like that was good. And, and so it, it's brought me, um, you know, a, a, a very joyful evening um, out, out of this whole experience. And I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Why Should I Care? You can find us on Instagram at Building Intrigue, Facebook, facebook.com slash Building Intrigue, or you can email me directly 
at shashir at buildingintrigue.com.